Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 477. Why listen to Zen, Pen- Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding, and who does want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which we stole from Dr. Dan Siegel, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So, sweetie, uh, today is podcast number 477. You want to know the symbolism of that number? Sure. The influence of the number seven is strengthened because it appears twice. The sum of these three numbers is nine, and it adds to the symbolism of the number 477. As a combination of these influences, the number 477 symbolizes evolving spirituality with the final purpose of achieving spiritual enlightenment. Oh, I like it. I figured you would. I feel like you're about to interrupt me while I was in the middle. I was because I don't think I said this is Kathy. Oh, you didn't? Uh Well, go ahead and say your name. I'm pretty sure you did, though. I did? I think Man, so. Man, I'm totally in a different place. Not present. Um, but I like those numbers. Yes, because last week we did this and you didn't know I was saying it, but that's because it's podcast number 477. Quick take number one. Oh, on today's show, uh, I'm going to share a little bit of an experience I had. I went to a place called 1440 Multiversity out in California, and I had a really powerful weekend with the folks from uh, the Conscious Leadership Group, Jim Detmer and Diana Chapman. And I think that's her last name. Sorry if it's not Diana. Uh, But I'm going to share one small thing as a result of this workshop that I did uh, that was kind of funny and silly, and maybe you guys will get some value out of it. Well, that is a piece of what we're going to talk about. Right. But that's not what we're not just sharing the story. No, there's there's more about our shadow, the parts of us that we hide. Right. And the parts of ourselves that are sometimes in, there's like a paradoxical experience that we're having internally. Yes. Um, So So there's a reason for the story. Right. Correct. Um, So here's my first quick take. Half of the eight films nominated for Best Picture received an F rating on the gender parody from Grade My Movie, Hmm. which bases their scores on the percentage of women in the cast and the crew. Mm -hmm. Half of the eight films, sweetie, got an F. A failing score means fewer than 20% of the cast and crew are women. Fewer than 20%. That's pretty bad. Well, I know Bohemian Rhapsody is in that category. Because the director is in a lot of trouble, isn't he? Correct. So can I guess which movies... Did you write down which movies got the F? I didn't. Uh, I didn't. The only thing I know is the ones that did well, and I can tell that to you in a second. Okay, go ahead. Of the films nominated for Best Picture, only the favorite received an A rating for gender parody. It's all women, basically, that movie. Meaning that at least 51% of the film's cast and crew are women. Two other films with Best Actress nominees received an A rating as well. The Wife. Boom. And then the other one? Black Panther. Can You Ever Forgive Me? Oh, Melissa McCarthy. So, um, you know, we're making progress, but still a lot more progress to be had. Well, and to your point, <clears throat> it wasn't just cast. It was crew, too. So yeah. I think one of the things that a lot of um, filmmakers now are focusing on is, ju- like, I just read this morning that Mindy Kaling sold a movie. Sundance is happening this week. Okay. And Mindy Kaling just sold a movie to Amazon. And the person who runs Amazon is a woman. Oh, nice. And so she was really excited about selling this woman's movie to a woman, woman studio head. Yeah. And it's going to be woman-directed. Nice. Mindy's going to direct it. You know, like, sometimes, and again, you and I talked a little bit last week about these kind of opportunities where sometimes historically men have said, well, someone's, 
they're getting that opportunity just because they're a woman. Yeah. But it's really no different than the whole networking s- situation that's gone on for years, which is whoever you know, right. whoever you network with, whoever you owe yep. is who you give the job to. And that's been 90% men. I know. So sometimes women- it's a cycle we can't get out, ourselves right. out of. Yeah. So these experiences of being like, I am going to ha- sell a woman's movie to a woman film- uh, studio head, so a woman can direct it. We got to start that process to get things rolling. Yes. So, um, you know, so it's an, it's also about like the key grips. Yeah, and I love the key grips. The key. I grip. love how they grip all the keys on the movie set. I know. I have no idea what a key grip is. Do you? No. What about Scotty from? Uh, <laughs> he was a key grip. No, I think he was a sound guy because he, he held the microphone. Guy. You're right. Scotty from. We're talking as if people know what we're talking about. <laughs> Uh, the Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. As and, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, Scotty. He, he really liked Dirk. He couldn't He couldn't quite fit into that half shirt. He didn't. He wanted to. <laughs> he really liked Dirk. Most people don't know what we're talking about, but if go see Boogie, Boogie Nights. you've seen Boogie Nights, you know what we're talking about. Um, quick take number two, and then I think, uh, yeah, that's the only two quick takes I have. Twitter user Michael Beatty had replied to Patton Oswalt. Have you heard about oh, this? Oh, I know this story, yes. So good. So I'm going to read it, but it's it's worth it. Um it's this guy, now Michael Beatty, replied to Pat Oswalt, who's an actor comedian, response to one of Trump's tweet with, I just realized why I was so happy you died in Blade Trinity, which is a movie I guess Pat Oswalt so was Mike, in. So Mike was saying that to Pat. Yeah. And you shoot the basketball like the sawed-off little man that you are. Mm-hmm. So basically this guy was trolling Pat Oswalt, right? Right. Uh, so this was uh, Pat Nasrall's response. Right. Oh, man, this dude just attacked me on Twitter, and I joked back. But then I looked at his timeline, and he's in a lot of trouble health-wise. I'd be pissed off, too. Mm-hmm. He'd been dealt some crappy cards. Let's deal him some good new ones. Click and donate, just like I'm about to. Um, so he did that. He uh, gave $2,000, I yes, think. Yes, Beatty, yeah. a Vietnam vet, had shared a GoFundMe describing a recent harrowing two-week hospitalization battling sepsis, mm-hmm. which is a potentially fatal blood infection and struggles in managing his diabetes throughout. Mm-hmm. When Oswald saw the link, he shared it with his followers and encouraged people to do- donate to this man who had nothing but nasty things to say to him. Oswald donated uh, 2000 himself towards the man's $5,000 goal. A mere few hours later, his followers pushed it over 12000 Yes. And the, this was Michael Beatty's response. Patton, he wrote, you have humbled me to the point where I can barely compose my words. You've caused me to take pause and reflect on how harmful words from my mouth could result in such an outpouring. Thank you for this, and I will pass this on to my cousin who needs help. Uh, so anyways, well, and then there was a funny response. I know. Did you, yeah. Don't read that part, but right. it, because they're swearing in it, but he said that he got choked up or that he was crying and Patton wrote something funny back. Like you cried. Yeah. Funny emasculating yeah. responses. So anyways, and then one last quick thing, and then we're going to jump in. Um, one of our, uh, listeners, uh, his name is Steven, um, uh, joined uh he he gave us a zen friend donation which was okay. nice uh but he joined team zen just because he wanted to uh buy the sex talk for the 21st century that we did uh-huh. so i just wanted to make sure that people knew that, that was available kathy and i did an audio video uh, it was about an hour long i think yeah with a powerpoint so if anybody's interested in uh get it's like 10 bucks on our website so you didn't say what it was an audio video um of us talking about sex ed in the 21st century yes so if you're struggling with how to talk to your kids 
about this very important terms of sexuality, this is a, a this is something that might help you. Yeah, it's a it's a starter. Like at least it gives you kind of perspective of what what it is as parents we need to focus on these days. It's a, not a, our history. I had a talk with one of my buddies this weekend, and I don't feel like I did a really good job because he was asking me for help on how to start this conversation with his son, and. Um, I don't feel like I did a terribly good job with him. The only thing I do know that I said that was important is it's not one conversation. And he hasn't had many of these conversations with his son, who I think is 10 years old. I said, dude, you got to start now. And it's not one big talk. It's a series of ongoing conversations. So, Well, and I think without trying to elaborate too much, the thing that we, it's not about, hey, I want to talk to you about sex. It's when they're that age, it's talking about, things that are normal at 10 within our body. Well, and they caught him watching porn. Oh, at 10? At 10. Okay. And I said, um, you know, oh, first of all- Oh, then the door's wide open. Door's wide open. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell him that it's normal to be curious and all that stuff. Like the last thing you want to do is shame a kid for looking at that because then all of a sudden you're- pushing everything down, right? You got to like let, you got to initiate that conversation. Absolutely. And the worse you make him feel about that action, the worse, the harder it's going to be for, for him to have a healthy relationship with sexuality. The balance with that is it's so normal that you wanted to watch that. It's so accessible, which if it would have been accessible to me at your age, I would have looked too. Sure. The key to that conversation though, is that's not real. Yeah. So what you're viewing is it, it might be exciting to your body. Mm -hmm. It may make you feel a certain way, um, looking at women or seeing this, you know, seeing what's going on, but none of that is real. Yeah. That is a created fantasy about what the belief system of whoever filmed that movie believes sex is supposed to be. Right. But it's not, but it does make you feel a certain way. It's kind of like cut into the chase. Yeah. Meaning it, it gets you to that feeling. Yeah. But that's not really a woman and a man who are in love. Well, the one thing I did say to him, I said, just tell your son that it's a really big deal to be naked with somebody else. Like, you know, because it's like, what's 10-year-old language? I don't know what 10-year-old language is. I don't, do you use different language for men, for boys or girls? Like, I, there's, this is such a an onion that you have to peel. But the only thing I do, you know, and we stole that from one of the stand-up comedians, um, it's just a really big deal. So treat it that way. And that this act that you're watching that looks entirely physical is not. Yeah. There's an emotional element to it. There's a spiritual element to it. And even though you're perceiving, you're watching this and you think it's only their bodies doing this, yeah. your mind and your heart and everything is involved. And so there has to be a clarity before you take this leap. Yeah. But as far as things like exploring his own body, mm -hmm. understanding his own feelings, he has nothing to feel guilty about. Right. That's exactly. just That's just what it means. It's called being a human being. Keanu, that's what little dudes do. That's what little dudes do. Um, so, okay, anyways. So uh, I'll try my best to summarize this quickly and then and hopefully, you know, connect it, connect some dots. Uh, I was at this weekend workshop out in California and it was about conscious leadership and I thought it was wonderful and there's so many takeaways that I had from it and I'm not going to tell you about that right here, but there's one specific part because part of coaching is to be able to be in touch with your own feelings and your own perceptions about yourself. And uh, they talked a little bit about how as human beings, we have tens or hundreds of different personas. And there's some personas that we show up and show the world every single day. And, but there's, a, there's some personas about, of, of what makes us up that are hidden and don't get a chance to come out. 
So the first thing is having the awareness of what are some things that you're kind of hiding in the shadow or repressing down and you don't let come out. And they and by definition, that is what we call our shadow. Yeah, the pieces of ourselves that we have kind of put in a closet, yep. and and it has got it doesn't have to do with sexuality. Right. I'm using closet sometimes. Right. What I mean is the pieces of ourselves that we we pretend don't exist. You hide, you repress it, anything that you're doing. So, anyways. So uh, they took us through this worksheet to kind of tell you, you know, what what are some of the things that you possibly might um, be hiding or repressing about yourself? Because the whole idea is in order to love ourselves, we have to love every part of ourselves, not just the ones that we're willing to show the world. And through this worksheet, what I decided my shadow was is... And, you know, they take you through this questionnaire. It's like consider playing with a persona that you either feel shame about or you don't like or you judge in other people. Um, so, and so what I came up with was, um, entitlement, like one of the things that one of the least attractive qualities in people, in my opinion, is people who are entitled. So I think I will overcompensate the other way and try to make myself whatever the opposite of untitled is like just smaller or something like that. So, uh, you would probably make yourself, you act like you really don't care or that things don't bother you. Right. So that was the first part entitlement. The other part was, uh, I am also a conflict avoidant in my day to day. And I said, I do that with you. I do that with a stranger on the street a lot. I do that with my kids. You know, that doesn't. it's not like it's there all the time, but my default is to avoid conflict. Well, and let's go back because you were just saying, I think one of the most, you know, things you don't like about other people is their entitlement. But this experience is you have entitlement. And I do. you've been oppressing yes, it. Yes, yes. So even Thank the you. reason you don't feel you find it so ugly in other people is because it's a part of you you have put so far back yes. that you don't want to look at it. Yeah. You don't like it. And it could come from just the basics that we've talked about before being a white straight male Mm -hmm. that you just you came in with it or it could be part of you that you're like you really do believe you're entitled and again i'm going to get to mine everybody Mm -hmm. we're just focusing on todd for a second is that you find that ugly Mm -hmm. so you're like i'm gonna pretend that what is the ugly part of ourselves um so those were the two that i came up with do you want me to go with what we did in the workshop next or do you want to tell say what yours Uh, no go ahead and through yours and then i'll so I'm like, okay, great. Now I know that uh, part of my shadow, a part of one of my personas, is uh, conflict um, avoidance. I am conflict avoidance. So the opposite of that would be to pursue conflict. Uh-huh. So what I decided was I'm going to pursue conflict and that I'm going to be entitled. <laughs> so the way that it was set up is the invitation at dinner was instead of showing up as yourself. The woman, one of the one of the women leaders, Diana, she had all these different costumes. So there's about seventy people in the workshop, and she said it's optional. And about half of us took her up on this opportunity. And what's funny is we had a break in between the workshop and dinner, so I had a few hours to kill. And it turned out I was watching the Ted Bundy documentary or whatever, and I was enjoying it because it's well done, fascinatingly scary guy and all that. And I said, if I'm going to be real about this coaching thing, I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone, like I. I flew on an airplane not to avoid what I'm scared of. Right. Even though there was a part of me that said, I'm not going to do this. But then the closer they got to six o'clock, like, I'm I like, gotta do it. you know what? I got to do it. So they had all these costumes. They had like robes and they had sunglasses and they had different types of hats and they had, you know, just big clothing, um, costumes, just different types of costumes because 35 people have 30 different 
type of personas. And the idea was to go into the dinner place where there's not just us, but there's like... It's like the dining hall. The dining hall of all these other people that are doing different workshops. And we were invited to show up as that persona. So my costume was, I had sunglasses on, which was kind of made me feel like I was cooler than cool. anybody else. Yeah. I had a graduation cap on, which told, which I wanted to project that I was smarter than everybody else. And I had a lightsaber because a lightsaber, you fight, you fight with a lightsaber. And then I had this kind of weird robe on that was, I don't even, it didn't really work, but it was just part of my costume. I decided to put on. It was your Lebowski robe. So I walked in the dining hall. I said, I can't believe I'm doing this but I'm going to do it. And what was cool is I, I ran into some of the people that had costumes on, but in the first five or 10 minutes, it was pretty embarrassing. Maybe five minutes, it wasn't 10, because what I did, my persona was, I was kind of a jerk. I was entitled and I pursued conflict. You so were the D word. I was, I was, yes. It, I was it the, rhymes with pick. Yes, it <laughs> rhymes with pick. So I was the D with the... The, the word that rhymes with pick starting with a D to everybody, not just the people that were part of this gig. Everybody. Everybody. So I would, you know, somebody would ask me a question. I'd be like, well, what are you asking me for? Go ask somebody else. Or, you know, is that really the shirt you put on today? Is that really what you're going with? I was, I was just trying to find creative outlets of how to be a jerk. And the first five minutes was a little like, I can't believe I'm doing this. But then the next 25 minutes, I was like in love with this part of me, mostly because this part of me never gets to come out. Right. I'm always trying to be a peacemaker. I'm trying to always get people to like me. I'm always trying to make myself smaller just so somebody else doesn't think that I thought I was better than them. Well, and I'm going to, because I'm a wordy, I'm yeah. going to correct your language. Not always, Yes. but it's who you want to be. It's, it's how you like to present. It's my default. Yes. And you, because there are, I've known you 20 years yeah. and you have had plenty of times of where you've been a mm -hmm. jerk, mm -hmm. not to me necessarily, but this piece of you can come out yes. just like the parts of me that I'll talk about you've met too, Right. but they don't get to have such ownership of the moment. I know. They're always being kind of like, it's like I've, I picture our arms holding those parts of us back. Like, yes. okay. Which is probably healthy because sure. those parts, you know, you don't want to walk around as an entitled guy right. who, you know, um, who, who believes that he should be in conflict, but they, to be free probably feels really good. Well, and just to give you some different examples, like a few of the people that I met there, there's, there's this one woman who, um, was very guarded when I met her. And that's part of her persona that she likes to show up. She's really guarded. So the persona that she presented herself to that evening was one that was overly affectionate and always trying to draw people in. And she basically tore the walls down mm -hmm. for about 35 minutes. Right. And she was just very outgoing and extroverted and engaging. And then... Um, there's one woman that is always the life of the party. So the persona that she showed up was the opposite. So she was like a recluse. So she put sunglasses on, she moved a table into the corner and sat by herself. And then people start, tried to sit with her and she moved outside to where nobody was. So right. everybody's persona could actually have been in conflict, but it just turned into this persona party <laughs> and it was a blast. And what's interesting about this is I've actually done some work on this part of me and how to let it come out. And the one thing that uh, one of my friends said is like, dude, you should be like a basketball referee because whenever you blow a whistle, you're going to upset somebody. You're either going to set upset this team or that team or this set of parents or that set of parents. What was cool about this opportunity was I didn't have to do any work. I just had to show up, put up a costume on and act and pretend 
I guess, pretend, but also be authentic in the parts of us that, that don't show up. So, and that in you, and people understood what was happening and it was safe. Yes. That's what we would call a safe environment, mm-hmm. like where you could go out there and allow it to be free and no one was going to say that's who you are. There was a meaning that they knew that part of you existed because you had to take on a persona that was true, yeah. but no one, you weren't going to walk out of that weekend and have people go, wow, he's a jerk. Well, just to give you an example, it was pretty much a safe place, but not completely because there was people that were looking at us weirdly. Oh, that's right. There were other people. But um, what I did, uh, just to give you an idea of one of the things I did was I slammed, I walked to a, I walked over to a different table and I slammed my lightsaber down and I told all the people at the table, I said, I just want to make every single one of you blankety blanks know that I'm smarter than every single one of you. <laughs> and then I walked away and I said it loud. So that did they say anything? I didn't care. I walked away. I didn't care what what I, the, you didn't I, know what their response I, was. Yeah. Uh, but that was safe because they were in on the gig, but there are other people like you're getting your food. It's a cafeteria. And I was a jerk to the people that were helping me with the food, which is like, Oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Todd, if I was going to do it, I was going to go all in. Right. And for a night, the universe was not going to explode if I was a jerk to somebody. Well, and again, you're right. They didn't exactly know, but I was the wearing fact a that costume. people were dressed up. That helped. And they're at a place that's for people's spiritual yes. awareness. Yes. So, so you're totally right because to you, these people didn't know exactly what was going on. But again, you weren't going to hurt feelings. Hopefully not. Well, I'm sure there's people like why is that guy such a jerk? Right. And why does he have a lightsaber and blah, blah. Like they didn't know what the gig was. Right. So anyway, so that was my experience and I thought it was one worth sharing. And uh, I guess before we turn it to you, sweetie, what your um, uh, persona is or shadow self or whatever you want to call it, um, the idea is think about anybody who's listening to this, what is your persona? Like what is the thing? What is the part of you that doesn't get a chance to come out as much. Right. So what is a what is a piece of you or a you said part that um that is the part you try to pretend doesn't exist. Yes. Or you know the way to figure it out is what bugs you most about other people. Like and yes, and that's a quick <laughs> easy way to figure it, it out. It is. And don't use our current leaders and mm-hmm. stuff like that cuz that we're not talking I'm talking about like what is the thing that constantly triggers you? about people because usually there's a hint of what you don't like in yourself. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that you are them. Mm-hmm. It just means that there's a part of you that doesn't get voice Yes. and that you kind of t- pretend doesn't exist. And, and the minute that you parts. pretend a part of you doesn't exist creates a blockage in in your spirit, in your energy, in your flow, whatever it is. And it creates a blockage in how you work with other people. Because if you're pretending that those parts of you don't exist, then you look at other people with a lot of judgment Judgment. and condemnation. Exactly. And if you recognize that they are just displaying the elements in yourself that you don't like to look at and that they're just their persona. So like the people that would annoy you the most, Todd, are people who really walk around like that. And there's plenty of people like that. We know them. I think of some um, athletes who do that. Mm-hmm. I think like Todd doesn't like it, or maybe you've changed since they've kind of changed the policy, but you don't like it when people dance in the end zone. I love it when a running back or a wide receiver hands the ball to the ref. Right. The, I don't like Walter Payton. Yes. And part of that is entitlement. Because there's a part of me 
that if and when I ever scored a touchdown, I would hand the ball to the rep. But there's a part of me that would want to do the dance sure. in the end zone, sure. but I wouldn't let it. So what I was able to do on Saturday night in California was I let that part of me out. out. I like the one where they now they get together as a group and they do something. Mm-hmm. When they sit down and start pretending they're rowing a boat, mm-hmm. it makes me laugh so hard. Because why those dances make me laugh is they have to practice that. Yeah. When are they practicing well, and, that? And bring the play into the NFL. The yeah. 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 We're playing a game. Let's have fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we started talking about all this because I was sharing with Todd some issues that um, that I'm kind of struggling with right now, which is kind of a long story. So I don't really need to get into it. Um, but it's, it's just more about self-awareness. And I said, you know, what I realized about this experience you had is that there's part of me um, that is very martyr-like. Um, where I want to make sure that like my, for those of you who understand the Enneagram, cause that got brought up in mm-hmm. this too. Um, I'm a number two. Um, I want to make sure everybody knows that I'm there to help them and that I'll listen. And a lot of times I go into coffees or lunches with people where I don't say a word and everybody, you know, just asks me questions and I'll be like, that's what I'm here for. And so there's a part of me that's very martyr like, um, but there is also there. And again, I'm trying to remember exactly how I shared this with you because that actually sounds good. So I'm making myself sound good. Like, Oh, that's a martyr thing. Mm -hmm. But there is also part of me that is, thinks I know a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, Smart. (laughs) This is so hard to say because I'm like, you know, I'm acknowledging something. So can, can I ask you to put on your, uh, persona hat right now and I can ask you a question. Okay, I which one? Because there's two personas here. Which which persona do you want to put one on? One persona is me being small, mm-hmm. which is me making sure that other people are fine with what I'm doing and that somebody who I believe has more authority tells me I'm okay. Okay. So that's one persona. Okay. The other persona is the one I struggle with a little more, which is that I think I know a lot. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> put on your I think I know more than everybody hat. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got I need one. Okay. I'm going to put, put this put hat on. Put your bulldog hat on there. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put this on. I don't know if it'll make any difference. And the idea of this exercise is to make it even bigger and, okay. and exaggerate it. Okay. This is going to be hard. So, Kathy, have you ever read any books? <laughs> I've, I have read everything you're probably going to ask me about, mm-hmm. if it's in the world of self-help and self, you know, yeah. self-awareness. But do you understand what are in those books? Um, Yeah. Because I've been doing it a long, long time. What, just like in the last few months? No, or? like since I was like 16 years old. Uh-huh. And did you ever get anything out of them or do you just kind of read them and forget about them? <laughs> okay. Of course. Why would I be reading them if I didn't get anything out of it? That makes that question makes no sense. I don't know. Maybe you read it just so you could say to everybody that you read oh, it. Oh, wow. That's a trigger. Yeah. That's not true at all. What do you mean? Meaning that... I read those books because this is really who I am or this is who I really am interested in focusing on, these Mm -hmm. aspects of myself. So I don't read these books because it's the latest book. And do you think that you are um, as smart as the next person or... Well, I don't know about smart, but I think as you, far as you need goes, to exaggerate it more. I can't because see, you this have is, to. Here's why, Todd. You okay, we're going to take a time out. Okay. Here's why. 
this is you. You got to go into a room. Yes. No one recorded you. Right. That's true. And you got to so, be. And this is like going. Yeah. So somebody could take this correct, one clip. Correct. We just got to hope that somebody is going to not take this clip. See, and this is the thing. Like I could do this in uh, just you and I together and I could go really big. Yes. But I'm not going to do this for Zen Parenting Radio. Okay. Because the point that, that you're trying to get to is that there is part of me that gets very when and I've said this on the show before, so I guess I've kind of owned this in a way. Are you videotaping me? No, I was just taking a picture because you look funny with oh. the hat on. Is <laughs> that I have said before? Sometimes I, I talked about it a couple weeks ago with the yoga teacher. Remember uh-huh. about how you know I someone's telling me what to do, and I'm like, dude, I mm. know this. There's a very like there's a persona in me that's like I have these these uh, I call them they're like the dichotomy that lives inside of me because there's part of me that if I displease anybody it's so upsetting to me that I talk about becoming small. Like I make sure everybody's fine with everything. And then there's part of me that's like, I know this. Can we, I know all of this. Can we call time in real quick? Okay. Time in. You have your, uh, I'm smarter than everybody had on. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm your yoga teacher. And okay. you know what? You're not doing the downward dog, right? You need to put your pressure on the index finger oh my gosh. of your knuckles. I'm aware. That's- I'm aware. I know. Well, here's the thing that comes up for me is very real. I laugh at you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not at a loss of words. It's not that I'm not trying but to play the game. But if there was zero inhibitions, what would you like to say to me as the yoga instructor, telling you to how how to do one of the most basic yoga? I would moves? say I studied this. I studied it ten years ago, and there's a probability that you got your certification two years ago. And I've been doing this since I was 25, mm-hmm. and I got it. Mm-hmm. And then if she, like, say I let that persona out. Okay, so out. time back out again, okay. so you're, okay. you, you don't so, have that hat on. So I don't have that hat on. So say that I did that. Mm-hmm. That persona, when she would come out, which that side of me doesn't, I don't think she ever comes out. She just comes out through laughter. Right. Like, I don't say these words to people. Well, and, and that's what I wanted to say is, in that moment at the yoga studio, when this actually happened, uh-huh. what did you do? You swallowed it all, right? Uh, well, what did in you do? that moment, I didn't say anything. Right. So I didn't. So I, I want. There was a um, a part of me that to say I swallowed it would make it sound like I was appeasing to her. I just didn't say anything. But, now what I did okay. that you got frustrated yeah. about is you said, "But did you change your hands?" Yes. And I said every time she came around, I did so she wouldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. So there was an appeasing part. Um, so this 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 struggle that I that I live between which is actually I learned um, a lot more about this when Brene Brown was talking about that the two voices that we have in our head mm-hmm. are you don't know anything and why do you think you know so much grandiosity versus shame exactly which is me that's the back and forth yes. right so it is a very um, it I remember reading that part and feeling, even before I could verbalize all that, feeling like, oh, thank God, right. this is a normal thing because I sometimes can be so grandiose in my thoughts. Like, I have read this. I have done this. When people tell me about, like, they're like, oh, I went on this retreat and I, I'm i like, yeah, I've been on 50,000. You know, like, I want to, like, throw stuff in people's face sometimes right. about this there kind of go. thing. There you go. Now you're getting into it. <laughs> throw because here's the thing. It's well, such an I don't empowering wanna, thing. It is. But it's not about that person that's saying it to me. Mm-hmm. Like the person who's saying, I went on this retreat and it was so great. And they're looking at me like I've never had this experience. Yeah. Or like for me to validate them like, oh, cool. Tell me more. Right. When I've done that a million times. Right. And I'm exaggerating, obviously. Sure. 
it's not, they're not doing anything wrong right. by telling me. I am feeling unseen. That's if you go a layer below. If I go a layer or two below. two or three layers well, below. Well, what I said to Todd is that really the layer below both of those, the grandiosity and the shame. Um, grandiosity is thinking I'm better than I'm everybody better else. Than you. Shame means I'm worse than everybody. And and shame means for, for me, I don't even know if shame, even though shame is, I'm, I have shame. We all have it. I'm not trying to deny shame, but that's not the word I would use for the other side of my dichotomy. I would use grandiosity and um, needing acknowledgement. Mm. Or, no, because that sounds like grandiosity. Needing a higher authority. Help me with this word. I need somebody else to tell me I'm okay. So where the uh, grandiosity is, I'm okay. I don't care what you think. Reinforcement of somebody that you hold in high regard. Yeah, I, don't know. I need somebody to be need like, teacher. oh, that what you're doing is exactly right. Acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Okay, so it's like grandiosity and, and somebody acknowledging me and holding me up and making sure that I'm right. Like those are... Um, I forgot what I was going to say about it. Well, why don't you keep thinking while I talk about our first partner? Okay, go ahead. Um, so our uh, partner of the week is Impact Baseline Test, and this is where you need to go. BaselineTesting.com. Um, here's what they do. They measure brain function on this online test that I took when you're in a healthy state. So if, God forbid, you get a concussion, doctors have your baseline as a comparison after the injury. It's one of those things that you wish you did. Um, so it's one. Of, you just need to... It's like a rainy day thing. Like, do it just in case, God forbid, you get one of these things. And it measures your brain function through five game-like activities. Word memory, design memory, speed and color memory, uh, color match. Uh, it's for anybody ages from 12 to 59 years old. So if you're interested, uh, go to BaselineTesting.com and click on Add to Order and then click Zen 25, and it brings your price down from 20 bucks down to 15 bucks. So uh, that's the coupon code that they gave us. So if interested, um, I did it. I'm going to have my daughters do it because they're home from school today because it's too cold out in Chicago. Uh, so check it out, BaselineDestiny.com. So I remember what I was going to say. Right. Is we were talking about what lives below those things. What lives below that for me, both of those things, is, um, you know, do you love me, mm. right? Because do you – because the grandiosity part is I'm going to work really hard to – because I was saying to Todd, I said the grandiosity part is interesting for me because I – there is this leadership thing that I need to do. And while I'm doing it, I'm not feeling grandiose. Sure. But the part of me that needs to do it yeah. is the grandiose. Meaning when I'm facilitating or teaching, I actually feel very removed from it. Like I feel like I, that's when my Enneagram, Enneagram number two comes out as a helper. Yeah. But just the fact that I need to lead it. Mm -hmm. There's, a, and, and this has not been adulthood. This has been since I was like 12 years old. 12 years old into college, you had to be the social chair. And, and you the had president. To, and the I president. had to lead and I had to be the one. I was in charge of Rush and I was in charge of, you know, I was president of my pledge class. You took yoga. You loved yoga. You loved yoga so much that you wanted to be a yoga, yoga teacher. teacher. And then you want to do the EMDR oh, yeah. training too. Anything I like, I want to lead. Right. And see, so even in that, there's a dichotomy because we can look at that as grandiose, as like, oh, who do you think you are? Because that's the message in my head. Sure. Who do you think you are? Or the other side is um, I need to lead it to demonstrate that I know it, mm -hmm. if it be for myself or for somebody else, yeah. you know, like there is a sense of, am I enough? So underneath all of these things we're talking about are really basic human needs. Mm -hmm. Do you love me? Do you see me? Do you, um, and also, am I good enough for you? Yeah. Am I good enough to be here? Do I belong? Like, 
I don't think it's any surprise. We say this all the time, but we teach what we need to learn. Like the fact that I do this for a living is not because I've figured it all out. It's because I'm, my soul is deeply interested in this process for me to feel valuable on this earth and also to remind other people that any pain I've felt, how do I say this? Any pain that they have felt, they have felt I, you have I, also. I have also. Yeah. So there's like, so the dichotomy also lives in, there is a selfish desire to do this and I don't want to keep it to myself. Like there's nothing I'm learning that I don't want to share. Yeah. Like there's- You're not trying to be protective over, you know, because that's some of my stuff. Like some of my baggage is um, sometimes I struggle with uh, that there's not enough. Like uh, not enough money, not enough time, scarcity. Whereas that's never really been any of your baggage. No. You like you if you learn something, you want to share it. Right. And it's you're not protective over um, whatever it is that you you possess either in your mind or on the podcast. Like just share it. If it's gonna help, go ahead. Right. Shake like the my books, you know. If I have a book and I loved it, I want to give it away. Yeah. Or tell everybody that it's that it's there because it has somehow decreased my pain mm. or it has increased my sense of belonging. So like these experiences, so when the reason why sometimes when I'm working with other people, why I feel it so heavily is because I can relate to it. Yeah. Right. So there is a um, and and I think like you know I teach social workers and that's the my students yeah. the people coming into social work or counseling or psychology or coaching are people who have felt things that and are in touch with life can be difficult and I need to work this out for myself and then I want to help people like anybody that um, that's why a lot of former addicts become addiction counselors because they're like, I know this. I've been through that deep, dark cave. Correct. And I've come through on the other side. Correct. Correct. And so depending on your perspective, you can view it as you're just doing this for yourself or yes, I'm doing this for myself, but then- I get to share it. We get to share it. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and, and I think all of us, if we look at why we're doing what we're doing, it's, it's based in what we're trying to solve. And sometimes it's very literal. Like I just need to make money right now. That's a real thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm hating what I'm doing, but I need to make money for some people. That's true. And here, can I share a little more part of my, my shadow? Please. Okay. So going back to, you know, when we were play acting about people who, um, you know, decide that they're going to be in this line of work and, and, and it's not really them talking to me about it, but people who do it because it's a flavor of the week thing, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like, I'm going to teach this thing because I read this book and I'm going to tell everybody about this. That drives me crazy. And, and it is, um, and, and, and maybe that's because I, I, you know, it is what, tell me. In order for somebody to truly teach something, they need to experience it. Yes. And we were talking about that one person earlier today that oh, I'm yes. not going to name. Okay, good. And sh- and that person screams from the mountaintops of how other people should be. Correct. And then you stop following that person. Correct. Because you realize that person was pretty young and had not gone, had not experienced the very same things she was teaching. Correct. Thank you for that. Because that was that was way before. That was this morning. Yeah, that was this morning. I had like Todd said, I was following somebody and I was learning, but then I started to feel yucky. Kind of like I'm not quite sure I'm learning here anymore. Feel like you're being scolded too. Yeah, and then I was like, oh wait a second, 
I realized that I was 17 years older than this person. And please don't get me wrong, because one of the people that I'm following right now is a 16-year-old who is a climate change act- activist, yeah. and she knows so much more than I yes. do. It's so, not like you can't learn from younger people. Correct. I am very respectful that age is not always the issue. But in this case, there was this lack of life experience of telling people, you need to do this or not feel this way or do feel this way. And there was, um, I was like, oh... I'm almost 50. Mm. That's why I'm, is that I've gone through some things this person hasn't yet gone through. And this person isn't even a parent yet. Right. And so I was like, it's not about I'm now smarter than you, I can write you off. But what I realized is that for this point in time, she's not a great teacher for me. Right. She's a great teacher for other people her age. Just not you. Just not me. And you know, one of my favorite quotes, I was looking this up as you were... Um, Talking about impact baseline testing. <laughs> Yes. And I got to find it again, though. Where did it well, go? Well, why don't you keep looking for it while I talk? I just had it. Well, I talk about Team Zen. We have a go te- ahead. We have a Zen talk on February 8th. Um, we do Team Zen. It's a virtual community. Um, we give you a support, uh, bonus content, behind the scenes, all about CPR. Um, we have two Zen, live Zen talks a month. We have 49 archived Zen talks. So if you join, you get access to all 49. We have a Team Zen Facebook page. It's basically a bunch of moms and dads who are looking for support. Um, so the last Zen talk we had, these were the four issues that we dealt with, just to kind of remind. Um, we have one woman who uh, was having a hard time because her two daughters who were 13 and 11 were really mean to each other. The second uh, topic we covered was there was a son who was doing programming on his computer all day. Remember that one, sweetie? I do. Uh, we had a woman that had a three and a half year old who was melting down and hitting. And yeah. then lastly, we had uh, one of our old, not oldest, but earliest uh, teams and uh, she has a daughter who is 18 and is struggling with anxiety and depression and thought she might want to come home from school and she didn't know how much to support. Yeah, I wouldn't call her our oldest. No, she's she one wouldn't. of our earliest. Yes. So... Um, so if so you're just to go to our, go to our homepage. Well, Team Zen, I was going to say that you you said it's for support, but it's also for friendship. Like we ha- these people have become friends as we have become friends with them. Todd actually on his way to 1440, a, a woman from Team Zen, one Millie. of our friends, Millie, she picked me up, gave Todd a ride, and then I I ran I into some met team. Meredith. I ran into Meredith, who's from North Carolina. At in California. That's so cool. Um, we do have some two new teams and members, which means we have new nicknames, sweetie. Oh no. Uh, Bernadette Daly. She's from Ireland, and I'm going to call her Bernadette Peters Daly. I don't understand. Bernadette Peters, isn't that the actress from oh, The yeah, Jerk? Oh yeah, Bernadette Peters. Yeah. Um, Catherine Carrioli. I, I'm probably hacked her last name, mm-hmm. but this is my weakest nickname of oh, the bunch. Boy. Kath, uh, Catherine Carrioli. I think I said Carolyn. Catherine. Caroli, I'm calling her Catherine KC Caroli. I don't get it. That's her. That's her initials. Sometimes we go initials on nicknames. Super weak. Um, I don't have one for Britney Flanagan. Do you have a good nickname for Britney Flanagan? Why didn't you just go simple and say Britney Spears Flanagan? Britney Spears Flanagan. Very good. And Britney, I'm sorry that I even said that because I'm sure that's annoying. But that's just what Todd. That's that'd be quintessential Todd. Christy Wattel is a new Team Zen member. I know Christy. That? Christy from your women's circle, Wattel. There, okay, that works. And yes. then my last one is Anita Fudaluski, and I'm calling her Anita Hug and Kiss Fudaluski. That's my best one. I don't get it. Anita Hug and Kiss. Sweetie, Anita, I need uh, a hug. hug and kiss. Those are our new Team Zen That's members. from The Simpsons. Yes. Um, and we do have one Zen friend donation, but the guy said, don't mention my name. So it's going to be coming from anonymous, well, thank you. which is the highest form of, 
human behavior as far as I'm concerned. You know why? Anonymous giving. Because entitlement. Exactly. <laughs> entitlement. I do not have, whenever I donate money to a charity, it, they always have the option to click. Put your name. Put your, uh, or to click anonymous. And I'm still, still in my head to say, no, I want you to know that I did this. Yes. And and that's okay. I know. So that's the point that I want to get to is, is you, you may be listening to the show and thinking that Todd and I are ripping on ourselves. And that's actually not what we're doing at all is really, these are the parts of ourselves that need a little bit of love yep. because they yes. have served us in many ways. Like they have there is part of that, that part of me that's like, I know a lot of stuff. That's what allows me to get on a stage and talk to people is that I do believe that I am in the profession that comes from my soul. And by definition, I just, that just, I know things. And, And again, someone may listen and say, but I don't like what you're saying. Absolutely. Like, I'm not saying I know things for everybody. I don't have the right answer for everybody. We're not supposed to. We're not supposed to. But there is stuff that comes through where I'll be like, someone will ask a question and I'll be like, well, here's a thought about that. And that isn't difficult for me. Well, and I would even challenge thought. It comes through you. So it's not like you're in your brain, like, how am I going to answer this? No. And I it usually don't know up. how I answered it afterwards. Right. So like, I, you I don't mean, remember really what you said. No, I don't remember what I said. So if someone's like, cause some people do that to us all the time, they'll be like, remember on that show last year when you said, but I'm like, dude, I have no idea. And that doesn't mean I didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. It means that there is a, it's just a very, it's, it's wonderful. It's the best gift of my life. And sometimes the part of myself though, I'm trying to push down is the part that's like, loves it, mm-hmm. that loves it. Yeah, You know, like I'm trying to be more modest or more humble or I'm trying to, but then that gets messed up, the modesty and the humbleness of putting everybody else's needs first. Yep. And that's not a... Healthy. So sometimes I need that other girl, that yes. other part of my persona and, to speak up. And that's the whole idea is if you push away any part of who we are, yes, there's with every part of our shadow, every weird persona that we have, they all need to be accessible to us. Yes. And if all we're doing is pushing them down, they're not accessible to us. So, you know, I was an entitled jerk on Saturday night in costume. There's a part of me that that person needs to show up in certain circumstances of my life. And unless I'm embracing who that is, that energy will not be accessible to me. Exactly. And the two, those two pieces, those personas that sometimes I am feel uncomfortable with, yeah, they are kind of essential to my life and yeah. to my work. Like I have to be able to, to, when someone comes to see me, I better know what I'm talking about. Yep. I better act like I know it, not just act like it. I better own it. When some, if someone's going to come listen to me talk, I better be empowered, you know, and, and I am in that moment, but sometimes I'm like, so what I told Todd, is, I said, what I relate to the most is I was listening to, uh, it, it doesn't matter who it was, but an actor. I love listening to actors talk about their life. Cause I feel like even though I'm not an actor, I relate to what they talk about. Right. And this one actor said, he said, I feel like my whole life is look at me, look at me, look at me. And then don't look at me. Don't look, you know, paparazzi, that yeah. kind of thing. Don't look at me. Um, what are you doing looking privacy. at me? Even exactly. though that, yeah. And that's, and I've got some of that is I'm going to lead this and I'm going to own this and I'm going to do this. And then I'll be like, 
leave me alone. Yeah. I don't have the answers. I don't know. Y- yet you have a projection or people perceive you as a leader. So obviously they're going to keep coming to you as that person. Right. But there's times when the lights go out and you go home, leave me alone. Right. Look at me, look at me, look at me, don't look at me. Or even in the moment, it, I'll even own a deeper part of it, is I'm going to speak all these things and own all these things. And then someone will say, wow, you did a really good job. And I'll be like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, that's ridiculous. Oh, then you put yourself down. Correct. Correct. And and I'm getting better at that piece. Um, I know I'm getting better because I no, I no longer push away a compliment. I don't push away, but I can't say inside I'm feeling super comfortable. You know what I mean? Right. But sometimes your actions will lead to the... Sometimes it works from the outside in. Right. If you can just say, thank you. Thank you. Right. Instead of saying, oh, no, no, I, it, you did all the work. Right. I, I don't was, do that anymore. Right. Um, but I still don't feel comfortable. Right. So anyways. I still want to, in that conversation, push back on that person and give them back something so I don't have to own anything. And and that is that's becomes a whole nother can of worms yep. about why... Do not feel there's a confidence thing in there. There's a, a liability thing in there. There, there. It's these thing, these pieces of ourselves. It's so not simple, and but so fascinating. Well, it's funny. This I I, I have enjoyed this podcast, and there's going to be some people that I think really attach themselves to it. But there's part of me that's worried, and maybe this is my ego or shadow coming up. Like, I'm. We're just having a normal conversation. I have no idea if anybody's connecting with <laughs> half of the stuff what we're talking about. Maybe because not. we have already talked about this an hour ago. We know each other very well, so like we're following <laughs> each other's cues. So I don't, I don't know. know. It may not make sense. It may not make and sense. And that's okay. We we have 500 podcasts. They can go back and listen, yeah, listen to, an to old a one. different one. <laughs> but one of the um, one of the quotes. So so. The person who there's been so many people who have been helpful to me, like I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I put quotes everywhere in our house and on my vision board and everything. And obviously I said Brene Brown's quote about that. We have the two voices in our head, one saying, who do you think you are? And the other one saying, you can't do that. Yeah. So those those are very strong in me, those two voices. Um, but then the other person that I always think about is Carl Jung. You know, Carl sure. Jung, right? And he's the one that. Um, who was Carl Jung? So people that don't know. who Carl He was Jung. a student of Freud. And he had a little more of a spiritual take on this psychology. Uh, he understood there was mystery to it. And he was heavy into archetypes, I believe, also, wasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. That was part of his, what... And, and he also... I always feel like even when I look at his picture, like there was a gentleness to him in understanding humanity. Mm. Like he just... He didn't have to be so hardcore. I mean, think about what he came from, Freud. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, this is this is this, and this is why. And yeah. it was just so black and white. But one of the things that Carl Jung said was, um, and he said this in many different ways, but this is just the quote I brought up today, is we cannot change anything until we accept it. Condemnation does not liberate, it oppresses. So why that's so important for us personally, but also as parents, is we are our society, our judicial system, our um, prison system is very focused on. I'm going to change you through condemnation. Yeah. I'm going to make you feel so bad about yourself and so ashamed that you will want to change, and that really doesn't work. No, not in um, the long run. Not in the long run. Just a little bit of difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is where you feel bad about something you did, you know, an action you took where you're like, oh, that action that I took was not a good idea. Shame is I feel bad about who I am. Who I am is not good. Very different things. So guilt has its place because guilt can be productive. Productive. It can teach us, right? Wonderful teacher. 
Um, but shame just... I wonder if shame can be a teacher. Well, not when it's in that form. Yeah. Like I, I, when it's in the form of there's something inherently wrong with me, there's, there's, that's almost a box that is, it's, it's impossible to get out of. Yeah. Because if you think there's something inherently wrong... Now, it can be starting from a shame-based place can be a place where you start to say, I feel a lot of shame. Now I want to seek out a little more self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So it could yeah, maybe it could be, be a, a, vehicle a vehicle for some self-understanding. Right. But I, by, I, by itself, shame does not help. Yes. And so this whole idea that we have of, I'm going to make you feel so bad, you'll change. So internally, when we have parts of ourselves that want to come out or thoughts we have or judgments we have, we have to understand why they're there and where they're coming from and to relate to them, not saying you can be out 24 seven because these pieces that I just talked about of myself, I don't want them out 24 yeah. seven. I don't want to be a grandiose person. And I also don't want to be a small martyring person. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a self in me, a, a soul in me that uses them when I need to. And I don't even have that great of, I'm still figuring all these pieces out, but I'm glad they're there though. You know what I mean? I do. Um, they are, they're pieces of the puzzle of my, my history of who I am. Right. And what I think what we do to use the puzzle metaphor is we throw some of those puzzle pieces away and they need to be available. They need to be in the box so we can look at them and see how it fits into this puzzle. Right. But instead we want to burn that piece. Right. And, and you guys know how it feels to look at a puzzle when you're missing a few pieces. Right. A, on the very basic sense, it's not whole. Mm -hmm. So you're messing with your wholeness. Yeah. And then the other pieces, it's just annoying. Right. You're searching for, you know, like, let's say you're doing a 500 piece puzzle and there's you know, there's six spots left, yeah. but only five puzzle pieces, and you'll end up spending a lot more time because yeah. you, you're dealing with an incomplete set. Correct. Yeah. Like these pieces of us that we may not be super proud of or that our society deems as like unappealing, yep. they're just part of being a human being. Yeah. And and we, the more I can talk about those parts of myself, the more when someone comes to me or I'm listening to someone or I'm reading a book or it's even about enjoying literature, can you relate yeah. to these parts of these people? Like we don't like to, but do you understand? Like I, I told Todd that one of the things I say to my social work students all the time is that as a social worker, <coughs> excuse me, part of our code of ethics is you don't just work with children who have been molested. You have to learn to understand the pedophile. Mm-hmm. And that, and in our society, we're like, no. No, why would no. you direct any attention that way? That is also a human. Part of our code of ethics is dignity and humanity of a person. So it doesn't mean they don't have consequences. It doesn't mean that that you don't believe that they there are repercussions for their behavior. Of course there are. But you also need to see them as a human. And that is, that's humanity. That is, instead of you are inherently... The minute you separate, right. you've lost. Well, and again... What happened to somebody who's a pedophile? They were abused. They were, I have never worked or known someone who was a pedophile who was not abused themselves. Yeah. So there was a, a time when they were a victim. Yeah. And, and that's a when place. When you're born, you're innocent. Correct. And so this is, this gets a little, because we like in our society to be like, I am this. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I am. Yeah. And there's no such thing. Yeah. We are many, many different pieces. Let's close shop. Conference. Well, I think less than six weeks away, sweetie. What is the conference? Definitely less. The conference is. Um, 
Get your brave on. Yes. it's. Uh, were you asking what the tagline was? I don't know. Just talk about it. So the conference is March 8th and 9th. Like Todd said, the tagline is get your brave on. We have Glennon Doyle coming, Abby Wombeck coming. We have Julie Lithcott-Hames. We have Devorah Heitner. We have Jamal Cole. We have Karen Brody. We have John Duffy. And we have Dr. Alexandra Solomon. And the two of us. And then Todd and there's, I. There's 10 speakers. I counted them today on the card. We're talking, uh, Todd and I are talking Friday night and then we have a panel on Friday, and then Saturday our speakers will be there. It's really just one of the best weekends of the year to Todd and I. Yeah. My grandiose self would say it's the best it weekend of the, the year. It is the best. Um, and it is a, um, for the people who attend, like I can speak for, this is our fourth year doing this. The people who attend are amazing. So talk about finding community and it's just a really warm, fuzzy environment. You leave feeling very inspired, much more attuned and in alignment with what you want, um, and what you want to offer. So if you're interested, go to, uh, zenparentingradio.com and click on the, uh, on the banner at the top and it'll take you there. So it's going to be off the hook. Anything else, sweetie? Uh, What about uh, Jeremy Kraft? He's a bald head of beauty. He has partnered with us since show one. Uh, He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. So if you're thinking about doing something in your house, in your kitchen, in your basement, putting on a second floor, it doesn't matter. Jeremy's your guy. Uh, Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800 and tell him he's a bald head of beauty from me. Because he is, he is, he has a bald head, and he is a beauty. He is. He's um, both of those things. Anything else there, sweetie? No. Oh, very good. Um, so I'm going to play our outro music, and just tell everybody to keep on trucking. And thanks to my sweetie for being awesome. <laughs> Thank you. You're awesome too. <laughs> Bye. Just kidding. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wombeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform Retreat. More more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios.